0: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. You better get out of my face smacking into your microphone like that. Hope you all are doing good. I've been absent the last couple days. I didn't project it. I didn't tell you that it was coming because I guess I didn't really think about it. It was a little bit of a whirlwind over the weekend. And I had to catch a flight at 5-something in the morning Eastern Time, which means I got up at 1 o'clock in the morning um, central time, which is the time zone I live in. So doing a podcast just didn't even occur to me. I was just hopeful that I could just wake up. And I did. The only reason I got up at one or two Eastern time is because I set a bunch of alarms because I was worried. I could just imagine the sound of banging on my door, get up. And, uh, nope, it was the first alarm that got me up. So I was just up. But, uh, then the next day, which was yesterday, I don't know, man, it was weird. I, I just, I was, I was up. It was my first day home. I got up relatively early, six o'clock ish, which you know, sleeping in for me, especially since I think I went to bed at like six o'clock p.m. But I got up and I'm trying to do like research for Packers stuff because I didn't have anything prepared, obviously. I mean, I could have on the plane, but just you know, again, I'm just I'm not worried about. Plus, I didn't have internet access, so that doesn't work. Could have thought of things and made notes, I guess, but I, I didn't. I played games on my phone for a couple hours. Um, but yeah, I was trying to find stuff to uh, talk about yesterday, and I just I just wasn't feeling it. And it was one of those things where it's like, you know, the dream for me is to be able to do this full time. That may never happen. I don't know. I'm so far away from that. Whatever. But still, that's the dream. That whole dream gets ruined if I start hating what I'm doing. And for some reason, yesterday I was like, I don't care. I, don't, I just, And I haven't felt that way in years. And I say years because I don't think I've ever felt that in the years that I've been doing this. I didn't want to hear anything about football, about the Packers. I just didn't care. So, in fact, I actually kind of, I didn't really shut everything off, but I, I just, I made it a point, I'm not going to respond to anything. I'm not going to go on Twitter. I just, I don't know, it was weird. It was just like, I just want to get, I need a day away. Not just a day off from doing the podcast, away from football. I don't know why. It just, it was a weird thing. But woke up today, fortunately, feeling real fired up and ready to go. So, um, we're good. We're back. It's uh, It's not completely broken. It was just a weird thing. Also, because eating habits have not been super great while I've been gone and everything, I said when I come back, I'm going to get real strict. And so I might have been a hair grumpy yesterday. So that also may play into it. So far, still in a good mood. But if I go from zero to 60, I'm just hungry. It's fine. I'll be okay. But anyways, I appreciate all yours patience as things have been a bit out of whack. One thing I've been thinking about, um, because it's, it's kind of, uh, there's not a lot going on right now. And I feel like for the for the off-season folks, and, and for those people that really aren't off-season folks that generally turn things off, but I told them, hey, please stick with me. I would love it if you'd stay with me through the off-season because it's a lot of fun. Are sitting there tapping their feet like, dude, you said this was fun. This is stupid. There's nothing to do right now. You're right. And I apologize for that. The off-season tends to come in flurries, right? There's a whole lot of like, excited speculation right away, like, ooh, free agency, ooh, the draft, and then you've talked about everything over the course of about a week. And then there's several weeks of, like, I don't, we talked about it already. I don't know, dude. There is always some interest in watching other teams, though, right? Because as little as, as is going on with the Green Bay Packers, there's 31 other teams, and and there's reason to be interested in that. The biggest thing to be interested in is, number one, I guess, the rumors. Because if, if they're planning on bringing on people, that'll give us some, some idea of just kind of what's going on. But the, the biggest thing is cuts. Now, I've kind of talked about it before when I went through free agency because I looked at not just free agents, but other options that could be what are called cap casualties, which are guys for the Green Bay Packers similar to Preston Smith. Now, they're, they're not actually, I shouldn't use him. We have actual cap casualty examples, but I'm, I'm just going to say Preston because I'm still thinking that's a thing. Rick Wagner, okay, Christian Kirksey. These are guys that are not free agents. They're still under contract. And so when you look at a list of free agents, you say these are the guys that the Packers could possibly get. But you're missing out on guys that are potential cap casualties. And guys are starting to get cut right now. Now, this is interesting, I think, for two reasons. Number one, there's a potential that the Packers could get them. They're new names. They're new free agent names for us to look at. Because the second they're cut, the contract goes bye-bye and they are officially free agents. The second thing is what I've been talking about with supply and demand. And I want to make something kind of clear because there seems to be a massive misconception. And I think especially today, um, I don't know about in the world, but in this country, there, there seems to be some confusion with things that are natural laws. And what I mean by that is we tend to think everything is man-made, right? Everything's a construct. No, there are some things that are just natural laws. Gra- if you jump off your roof, you're not going to die because the culture dictated that. That's, an, that's called a natural law. Right. Mathematics. There are some extreme strains of stupid in this country that think mathematics are um, some kind of a construct. Nope. Mathematics is mathematics because if I take two pennies and put it in my pocket and take two more pennies and put it in my pocket, I'm going to have four pennies in my pocket, assuming my pocket was empty prior to and there's no holes in my pocket or none of that nonsense. Two plus two is four because two plus two is four, not because some oppressive group said so. Supply and demand is the exact same way. It's not like, well, just because you say so, or just because that works in some cases, that doesn't mean it has. Yes, it does have to be. Supply and demand is a natural law. The way that it's going to work, and the reason that things are interesting is the more cuts, the more beneficial it is for us. The more people that get cut, the better it is. So we're kind of rooting for as many people as possible to get cut as possible. Because then we're flooding people into the market, which lowers the prices. So again, something to keep an eye on is who's getting cut. So we've got, for example, here, um, the Panthers had a flurry. They cut Trey Boston, which is always a guy that's at the top of Packers fans' lists. A good football player. I've always really liked him. Not saying I want to go get him, but it's just it's interesting because it's another player, which is great, and it's another option. Uh, Kwan Short, another option, defensive tackle. And 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 just it's it's not even just human beings flooding the market. It's also positional. If the Packers want a defensive tackle and there's one defensive tackle available, he's going to be very expensive. If the Packers want a defensive tackle and there's sixty available, they're going to be a lot cheaper. Because teams are going to be much less willing to go above and beyond to get that tackle when when, when you start playing hardball saying, No, I want twelve million. That's what I want. And you're worth ten. If you're one of sixty, I'm just gonna go somewhere else. I don't need you. I might want you, you might be number one on my list, but there's too much competition for you to be so so choosy. All right? It's it's same with house buying right? There's a buyer's market and a seller's market. It's been a seller's market since basically my entire adult life. Why? There's way too many buyers and nobody's selling. And so if you want a house, you're, at least in this area, you're putting 20000 or $30,000 over. In some markets, you're putting hundreds of thousands of dollars over asking. Not because somebody dictated that, but because that's just the way it is. Now, if there's a flood of houses that hit the market, a bunch of these buyers start buying up, and there become less and less buyers, and there becomes an inverse relationship. And suddenly, there's 50 people selling a house, and I'm the only buyer. And instead of them saying, "If you want this house, you give me thirty thousand extra," I'm saying, "If you want me to buy this house, I want you to knock ten thousand off the price. And if you don't, I'm going to go over to that guy." It just changes. It's just, it's just a again, it's a natural law. There's no other way that it could be. Because if that if that homeowner says, I want thirty thousand over, you're not getting this house, what am I gonna say? Cool, see ya, and he's never gonna sell his house. So again, what we're rooting for is more and more people, especially in our positions of need, like k1 Short, you know, the Broncos releasing AJ Boyer. Now maybe we're not interested in a in a high dollar cornerback like AJ Boyer, but he, if nothing else, is gonna draw attention so that one of our competitors takes him, that's one less competitor for us. So we're rooting for as many cuts as possible and the good news is and this is where stuff like this gets kind of fun when the salary cap goes down the dollar amounts go down and that's going to be a natural consequence of the way that things are going when the salary cap goes down lots of teams have to make a lot more cuts than you usually would supply and demand then dictates that those price those dollar amounts go down and so this is how you start to see that downward curve Whereas if the salary cap continued to go up, it would have gone up. Now it's going to start going down. So it it, bas- it it normalizes. Everything is going to normalize because it has to. So again, that's something else for us to root for. As many teams as is humanly possible start flooding the market with players, especially at our positions of need. Tackle, guard, wide receiver, defensive tackle, linebacker, corner, maybe even running back, maybe tight end. I don't know. We'll see what the Packers try to do. And again, this is just going to give us more options. And as bad as the cap is, and it makes it harder for us to do things, there are also natural natural things that are going to take place that make things easier than they would otherwise be. Because again, prices are going to go down a bit. That's not to say that expensive players aren't going to still command a bunch of money. Um, you know, if you are the top of your game, for example, Deshaun Watson, that dude is not going to take a pay cut. And part of that has to do with the fact that, first of all, not everybody's struggling cap-wise. Second of all, there are further years to look forward to in which the dollar amounts are going to go back up so you can plan on that. But for teams that are struggling, that are willing to be patient, you allow those high-dollar guys to go bye-bye. And every time somebody gets sold off and the competition decreases, players are going to be less and less willing to stand on that high-dollar number and are going to have to start coming down a bit or just not play. And we've seen that with several players where they feel like they're not getting what they're worth and they just hold out. And usually they get picked up like mid season or something when a team is just in absolute disaster mode. So I had a uh, question on um, uh, Instagram from I am Low Dog. He says uh, you didn't mention Lucas Patrick much when you mentioned offensive line. Do you not see him as a piece? He says uh, Peter Bukowski thinks the offensive line will be Bakhtiari, Runyon, Patrick, Turner, and Jenkins. Thoughts. Other than Runyon is not great. Um, start with the second part. I I. I would be stunned if we put Lucas Patrick at center, had Runyon and Turner at guard and Elton Jenkins at right tackle. It's not impossible, but I just I don't really know where that's coming from other than, similar to a lot of other fans, we think Elton Jenkins is just the greatest in the world, right? We, we just massively overhype um, Elton Jenkins. Not that he's not good. He is good. But we just we in our minds, he's like an all pro and he can go anywhere he can play center guard and tackle and just be the greatest ever. He's basically Brian Balaga. That's silly. Of all the opportunities that we've we've seen um, for Elton Jenkins to play right tackle, he's played right tackle 34 times, 34. So I don't know why. If we were going to do that, we wouldn't have done that last year instead of putting Billy Turner there, because they preferred having Billy Turner at right tackle. I, I, just, so I, don't, I, don't, I guess I don't know where that's coming from. Elton Jenkins seemed to be last-case scenario for wanting to put him at right tackle. He never started at right tackle, not once. He moved to right tackle occasionally, but he started at left guard and center, and that's it. He's played one snap at right guard, 29 snaps at left tackle, He's played 300 snaps at center, 1,950 snaps at left guard. Similarly, Lucas Patrick has played, uh, I mean, outside of tackle as far as the interior, he's played center less than anything else. In four years, he's played center 138 times. He's played right guard 1,194 times. I, I i don't know why that would be the case. Now, m- moving on, he says, do you s- not see Lucas Patrick as being a piece? Um... I guess it's kind of a a two-part thing i see lucas patrick as a solid backup i also think that we are in a position now where we may have backups as guards for example john runyon i see as a backup um in terms of what makes sense with rick wagner gone could it possibly be bakhtiari and turner at tackle elton jenkins at center and runyon and patrick at guard sure assuming Corey Lindsley leaves. If, if Corey Lindsley doesn't leave, then no, I don't necessarily think so, although it, it could absolutely be Patrick over Runyon. That's one thing I would happily concede if you think Patrick plays over Runyon, because I think he did this past year. I don't exactly remember what the packing order was, but I do recall Packer fans being very adamant that they wanted to see more Runyon and were surprised that he wasn't out there, and I think that was because Lucas Patrick was starting over him. So again, if we re-sign Corey Lindsley, that kind of solves a good amount of our problems. I'd like to keep Elton Jenkins at left guard, keep Corey Lindsley, and then put Patrick at right guard, and I'm fine with that. That's Patrick's natural position. Everybody basically stays where they're most comfortable, Billy Turner kind of being that hybrid right guard, right tackle where he's done both for a long time. And then, you know, I'm not super excited about the right side of the line being Patrick and Turner. But the left side of the line is beyond solid, from starting from center Corey Lindsley to Elton Jenkins to David Bakhtiari. And then we have the draft to possibly address it. And it would be nice if we got a guard to replace uh, Lucas Patrick. And, and and by replace, I don't necessarily mean we caught him or get rid of him. I've, I've always loved offensive line play, and I loved it back in the day when we had kind of low-end starters as backups. And I think Lucas Patrick could be that kind of a guy, where if we lose a guard or somebody goes down, it's like, dude, we got Lucas Patrick, we're good. It's not ideal, but we're not in like panic mode because Lucas Patrick last year was better than some of the starting guards around the NFL. Not that he was good, but just that there's some really horrible guards in the NFL right now. So that's sort of where I'm at as far as the different variables that are in here. And, And Lucas Patrick could possibly be cut, but I don't think he will be. He's only 27 years old and only saves us a little over a million dollars to move on from him entirely, so it would make sense to just hang on to him. But but the goal would be I want him to be my backup guard. Back uh, Just call him backup interior. But, I you know, as if we keep Corey Lindsley and um, Elton Jenkins, there's no reason we should need a backup center unless both of those guys go down. But it's kind of one of those things where you just wait for the shoes to fall. I mean, Rick Wagner kind of helped... Um solve the riddle a little bit uh, again it, it didn't do much for me because i was expecting that to happen but now i'm waiting for another shoe to fall and i'm, I'm kind of nervous that they are going to move on from Corey lindsley just based on the fact i mean we haven't heard a single thing i mean david Bakhtiari, you heard they were working on extensions and then obviously that got done last year i haven't heard a word about anything getting done toward getting Corey lindsley locked up and um again maybe they feel good enough about it like we you know We've got the three guys we drafted. We've got Elton Jenkins who can play anywhere on the interior. We've got Billy who can play, you know, tackle and guard. I, I just I would hate that with an absolute passion. Um, and no, to to further solidify what I'm saying, unless they cut Billy Turner, I don't really see any reason why Elton Jenkins would be starting a tackle. It's not impossible, but again, I just I don't think that makes sense. I, I think as I've said before, I think he gets better the closer you move him to the interior. I think he may be a better center than he is a guard. That was the case for him in college. That was the case, I think, at the pro day and everything the scouts were saying, is that, you know, he'd be a fine guard, but he, he can be— I think one of the scouts said he could be a, a, a good guard but an all-pro center or something to that effect. And I think if we move him to tackle, we're looking at a pretty iffy tackle. I, I could be wrong. I just—I don't like that at all. I would rather have, you know, a pro bowl center than a mediocre tackle. Obviously, I'm making that up. But again, in my mind, that's kind of the way that it goes. And and I don't want to, you know, I don't really want to move him to center if it means getting rid of Corey Lindsley, even if it means that Elton Jenkins will pay, play better because the overall offensive line is going to fall off. And I just think it's too much, you know. I mean, it, as important as it is for offensive line play, you saw what happened to the Chiefs. If Aaron Rodgers goes from, I mean, part of the, one of the bigger reasons that he had as good of a season as he did is he had almost no pressure in his face. If we allow this offensive line to get dismantled, and Aaron Rodgers is under pressure. The whole offense, you know, number one offense thing—that's right out the window. If he's getting several sacks a game and is under constant duress, I mean, it's just—it's going to fall apart right before our eyes. And you can go out and get all the wide receivers you want; it's not going to make a difference. Building up that offensive line to be an elite offensive line should be a, a massive priority. The ability to run the ball behind AJ Dillon or Aaron Jones or whoever it ends up being, as well as keeping Aaron Rodgers in a clean pocket. Pretty much every time he touches the ball, there's nothing more important than that. I don't know how there could be anything more important than that, and I'm not. I, I just I'm not interested in messing with that. So again, we'll wait and see. We got to see um, who stays and who goes. I mean, is it possible we add a piece? Is it possible we lose Corey? Do we keep Corey? There's a lot of options. There's also some pretty good options at, at offensive line, especially tackle, in the draft, and that's one of the. Uh, if I if I had to if you told me. You have no choice. Your life depends on it. You have to pick what position is going to be picked in the draft. I'm leaning tackle. There's a lot of prospects. There's a lot of really good prospects. They tend to hover around where the Packers are going to be picking. As I mentioned, it's it's massively important for every team, but especially a Shanahan-style offense, which I should stop calling it that. It's, it's, it's a Lafleur offense, darn it. And it really helps solidify this this offensive line to where we can put Billy Turner back inside to guard. Um, which I, I tend to think he's a little better, but I, I guess it, it really, it's kind of indistinguishable. He seems to be as good at, at guard as he is at tackle, which is kind of a weird trait. But either way, and then it helps us with depth. Again, right, we, instead of having Rick Wagner, we have uh, this rookie that hopefully plays. As I've said, one of the things that would upset Packer fans more than just about anything is to draft a tackle, have Billy Turner play tackle, and that guy sits on the bench. That would just drive people up a wall. But if he were to get hurt, you could have Billy Turner slide back outside. And obviously, if anybody in the interior gets hurt with Billy Turner being there, that, you know, he obviously is taking Lucas Patrick's spot or whoever, and then Lucas Patrick. So we have the depth is the point. It helps us tremendously with depth just by getting one tackle. Beyond that, Billy Turner isn't going to be around forever. He's already 30, so we can start working on the interior. But as long as we have those two tackle spots locked up, that's going to be massively important. You get Corey locked up for another, you know, two, three years, whatever. Elton Jenkins is a long-term guy. We've really only got one spot that's kind of up for grabs. And, and, you know, we've got time to try to solve that. So for that reason, finding a tackle, I think, is, is very, very important. It was also the one reason why I could maybe see keeping Rick Wagner around. But I, I think the um, I think it kind of tells us that the Packers are at least in a place where they know they can get by without him. They feel relatively comfortable. Because, again, remember, they don't know they're getting in somebody in free agency. They don't know they're getting anybody in the draft. They don't know that. I promise you they're not sitting here saying we 100% are, are getting uh, – Alex Leatherwood. like We're, just, we're definitely drafting him. You don't know that. So they, they are going to cut down as far as they possibly can to where they still feel comfortable. But I think the a big goal needs to be to, to continue building on top of that. Anyways, I'm going to take a break here because we are at 4.30, so I'm halfway to needing to go to work. If you wouldn't mind doing me a massive favor, telling your friends, your family, your neighbors, your coworkers, the guy on the street corner, You don't have to go anywhere weird with that. He could just be at a crosswalk, all right? Calm down. Maybe his car broke down and he needed groceries and he's just walking somewhere. I'm just saying, just yell it at him out the window. It just gave me a really weird idea. In my mind, I was picturing like a handful of business cards and you just chuck like 10 business cards at him. I don't know why 10, just it made the visual funnier. Like a a huge pile, just throw it right at him. Hit him right in the face and just scream PackerNet Podcast. It's not very effective and he's probably going to hate this show but it would be hilarious, and I would require you to record that when it happens. Also, please don't assault people. I'm just saying if you do, record it so I can watch it and laugh. But don't, because it's, it's bad. That would be my the entirety of the Packernet Podcast uh, TikTok, by the way. Ineffective marketing strategies for the Packernet Podcast. But I should have like a little flyer thing made up, and then I put it somewhere where you can download it. And if anybody wanted to like print off something and stick them places, you could do that. You know, tape them up at the, the, the urinals in the men's bathrooms. You got nothing to do but stare at the wall, or at least you better be looking at the wall, freak. While you're standing there, you know, oh, look at that, packing a Podcast. I wonder what that's all about. And then one day, Al Pacino is going to the bathroom. He sees it, likes the show, decides to give me a million dollars, because he's just like, yeah, I got a bunch of money, you know, nothing to do. Maybe going a little senile, probably ill-advised decision but who's gonna stop me i'm al pacino i do whatever i want it doesn't have to be that exact scenario i'm just saying something like that could be arnold schwarzenegger you know again it doesn't have to be pacino just a thought and i'm getting all kinds of like crazy fight clubby thoughts in my head right now like i should be thinking of effective strategies and i'm just like dude i got a bunch of people that i can just send out to do things i mean again i'm not talking about like crimes but there's got to be something funny here right like maybe when i do giveaways the whole thing is going to be record yourself doing something ridiculous and I'll come up with a new ridiculous thing that you have to record yourself doing. And then there'll be all these trends all over the internet and everyone's like, what is this stupid trend? I'm like, I don't know, dude, it's crazy. I don't know. There's, some, there's something here. We'll, we'll figure it out. Almost none of this has to do with a podcast anymore. It's just It's just ideas that I think would make my life happier and enrich the world, you know? No big deal. Just making the world a better place here. Cry about it. Why don't we take a break? I'm going to smack you in the face with a bunch of advertisers, and I'll catch you on the other side. Talk to you in a bit. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. Welcome back, folks. I had another Instagram question, just because I'm coming through Instagram now, because I never look at it. This is from Araiho. My name being Ryan, this feels um, like an assault. But he says, is Alan Lazard a lock to be back with the team? Just curious, for example, what he's going to cost, et cetera, et cetera. He goes on to say, I'm assuming he's going to be back. I know he was good in the run game, but just curious and whatnot. So I was digging around, and I was really surprised to see, I feel like Alan Lazard... And he has been. He's been around for a while. He was, uh, let me move this out of the way so I can see what I'm looking at. Um, he was drafted in 2018, so that would be four seasons, right? 2018, 2019, 20, uh, no, three. Oh, my goodness. I counted that in my head, and I got to four. What What did I do to get to four? But anyway, so it's, it's three years. However, he didn't play with the Jaguars. And in 2018 with the Packers, he played, uh, let me see. Looks like he played one game and didn't start. And if we look at, let's see, 2019, he started, it looks like, one, two, three, four, five games. Interesting. The reason all this is interesting is because when I looked at his contract, it says he is an ERFA, which is an exclusive rights-free agent, and I was just kind of surprised to see that. Um, That basically means he's 100% coming back, unless the Packers just don't want him at all. Here's what that is, if I may just read this to you quickly. An exclusive rights free agent is an NFL veteran who reaches the end of his contract with less than three accrued seasons. And you think, well, it hasn't been less than three seasons, it's been three seasons. Well, if you look at the definition of an accrued season, an accrued season requires six or more regular season games at full pay status. I'm assuming that means on the active roster, but I don't know. But that rules out 2018, meaning 2019 and 2020, and I don't even know if 2019 counts. Because he, he played more than he was on the roster more than six games, but he started less, so I don't exact I'm guessing he's that's considered an accrued season. So he has two accrued seasons, meaning he is an exclusive rights free agent. Now if I continue on, a player with exclusive rights status may only sign a contract with their original team if the original team places the minimum salary tender, typically during the first days of following the completion of the Super Bowl through the start of the new league year mid-March. A player who receives receives a team's exclusive rights minimum salary tender will not be able to negotiate with another team, and the player must only re-sign with his original team. Now, I don't know what the precedent is with signing this an exclusive rights-free agent to the minimum salary when he's as pivotal of a piece as he is. That is to say, is it possible that they give him a more respectable contract just because because I know sometimes teams do that. They'll look at a player and say, "That's you're massively undervalued, you deserve more than that, because we're talking about not even a million bucks. But I guess the point is the, the Packers kind of hold the keys here, and it also might even work to Lazard's benefit to not accept a contract, because this is the last year he's an exclusive rights-free agent. Meaning, if the Packers are going to offer a long-term contract, Alan Lazard is going to want respectable money. You know, it doesn't make sense to say, look, I don't want to pay you 600000 or 700000 or whatever it is, because that's not fair. Let's give you, like, a three-year contract for, like, $3 bucks a year. Lazard's probably going to look at that and go, no, nah, that sounds stupid. I don't think I want that. And at the same time, they're not going to offer him $10 million a year either, because why should they? They don't have the money for that, and they can just throw a couple hundred thousand bucks at him and say, you're staying. Sorry. So the point is, as far as the question is concerned, yeah, he's going to stay. Are they just going to sign that exclusive rights tender? And say that's it, or are they going to maybe throw a couple more bucks at him because, you know, he's worth that? I don't really know. I don't, again, I don't know the precedent for that. I tend to think it's not super common to have as pivotal a player like a wide receiver, too, like Alan Lazard, be in this position. Other guys, by the way, since we're talking about it, that have the ERFA tag, you've got uh, Malik Taylor, Randy Ramsey, KB on Ento, and Yash Nijman. So again, usually guys with that, um, label are gonna be guys that you look at and go, eh, I don't know. Even for minimum, you know, salary, I don't know that we're hundred percent going to keep them, but I guess probably. Clearly one guy stands out and that's Alan Lazard. Since we're on the subject, we might as well talk about the restricted free agents. now that's what Lazard is going to be next year. That's when you've accrued three seasons. I don't know exactly why it's set up the way that it is, but if you have under three seasons, you're an exclusive rights free agent. If you've accrued exactly three seasons, you are a restricted free agent. After that, you are just a, a unrestricted free agent. You're a free agent, free agent. The, the restricted free agent is a little bit more, um, it's not as crazy as exclusive rights, where I just throw minimum dollars at you and you have to stay, but also typically means you're probably going to stay. Usually, when, whenever I say a guy like Tanyan may not be back, whatever people flip out, like he's a restricted free agent. He's definitely staying. Maybe. I'll say probably, but restricted free agent doesn't mean they can't leave. There's a couple different options you can have with restricted free agent. Number one is right of first refusal. That doesn't mean somebody offers and you just say, nope, sorry, that's not going to work. What it means is you have to match that. So if we were to, let's say, slap that tag on Tunyon and somebody comes along and says, I want to give him $11 million, the Packers are going to look at that and go, oh, um, nah, you can have them. (laughs) That's, That's fine. Now, obviously, they're not going to use that. Let's go through the guys who are restricted free agents first, because that's going to be important. Because some of these options you can't use indefinitely, you can only use once. Um, The restricted free agents are Raven Green, Tim Boyle, Robert Tunyon, Perry Nickerson, Chandon Sullivan, Will Redmond, Tyler Lancaster. Um, So, right of first refusal isn't as beneficial, because again, if somebody just all somebody has to do is offer more than you're willing to offer, and that just kind of kind of just goes out the window. The other options are to put uh, tenders on them in terms of um, there is the original round tender, which is to say if you take him, um, you have to give us that draft pick as compensation. Now, for a guy like Robert Tunyon, who is a free agent, that doesn't make a lot of sense. We wouldn't get anything for him which means we would have to put a first- or second-round tender on him. Now, because he's probably the most valuable guy, we're probably going to do that, which means he's probably going to stay because nobody's going to give us a first- or a second-round pick to take Robert Tunyon off of our team, but that does that does come with a cost. If we put a first-round tender on him, we have to pay $4.7 million just for this year. A second-round tender will be $3.38 million. I would assume what would make the most sense is to put a second-round tender on him, unless there's somebody else we want to put a tender on. But since I don't think anybody's going to give a second-round pick, it would make the most sense to just put a second-round tender on Robert Tunyon. We would pay him $3.38 million, and um, we'd be good to go. Now, that does still come with risk, and he might still leave if somebody is willing to at least risk it, because the way that it's supposed to work is that if somebody makes an offer, we have to match that offer. And that becomes problematic because if somebody comes along and says, I'm going to pay him seven million dollars you and know, we're willing to give up that second round tender, we have a choice. We can call their bluff and say you can have them and take the second round pick, which is exactly what I would think we would do, or we'd have to pay the seven million dollars to keep them. So again, it kind of comes with risk. I mean, or even if somebody, you know, just to stick it to us said, Okay, how about five million bucks? Well, we're probably just gonna pay that, but now we we have to pay that just to match them, just to keep them. Because we do have to match the offers because it's still sort of a right of first refusal situation. He's allowed to negotiate when we throw that tender on him. It just comes with stipulations. But again, I don't think teams are going to risk that unless they're willing to give up those picks in reality. And I don't think that they're willing to give up a second or a first round pick for Robert Tunyon. I just don't. Usually these tenders get put um, after the, uh, I think after the league year? About mid-March through mid-April is when you start seeing these... um, These things take place. So, I mean, we're almost to March, which gets me excited to begin with. First of all, that freezing cold temperatures have vacated the area. And so out being outside yesterday, I was just walking around with a shovel because I had those those areas that are like super packed because I missed a couple days of shoveling and then it got packed down and there's like light snow and then dense snow and then ice underneath that. I was kind of just like wandering as the snow was melting, just scraping off the top. It was fun. It was good times. Just taking off a layer at a time. But yes, Alan Lazard will be back. Robert Tunyon will most likely be back. Um, but again, the, the restricted free agents do come with cost, and, and there might be some players that the Packers just don't want. And so you look at Raven Green and say he's a restricted free agent. Of course he's going to be back. Well, do they want him back and for how much? It's all just cost-benefit. You know, would, would they take him back for nothing? Of course. Would they take him back for $10 million? No. Somewhere in between are a couple of lines, what he's going to cost and what they would be willing to pay, and it just depends what that intersection is. So again, it's kind of slow going. We're kind of just waiting around, but we might as well at least make sure we got an understanding. And I, I even I need a refresher every single year because I just cannot remember these things. So it's like, all right, what is this? Oh yeah, that's right. Restricted and exclusive, right? Da, da, da. Next year, we're going to go over this all over again. Not just for your benefit, but because I forgot again. I will always forget. All these little rules like this, I just, I, it, it just will never get burned. And probably because it doesn't really make sense. I mean, I'm sure there's a reason, but I don't know the reason. And, and anytime you get just, I'm terrible with just memorization for no reason. That's why I liked physics and hated chemistry. Physics made sense. You could see why. They would explain, when this happens, this happens, why? And then they pick up a bowling ball and drop it and go, that's why. It's like, oh, that makes sense. Chemistry is like, well, there's these things that you can't see that interact with other things you can't see. When that happens, then this happens. Like, Why? I don't know. It just does. Because these are uh, hyperactive and these things are super crazy. And then when these things, super crazy things see the hyperactive things, then obviously it gets hot. Like, why would it be hot? I don't know, man, because energy and, you know, they're moving fast. Like, well, So why? Why are they moving fast? What's moving? What's going on? What are you talking? Just shut up and memorize it. Fine. I can't. I can't, I just, I can't. I can't memorize things that don't make sense to me. If you give me the reasoning, it'll probably be burned into my brain. If you just tell me a thing and then say, this is just the thing, you have to remember it, I will not remember it. I can't. Just random rules? No, sorry, don't remember. It's like how much you start with in Monopoly. Like there's there's no, it's it's a random number. I don't know. If I played it every day, I would remember. But if I play it once a year, I don't remember what how many hundreds and 20s and 50s you get. I don't know. How should I know? There's no reason behind that. It's just a random number. It's the way she goes, boys. Just the way she goes. I guess I'll add before we conclude: an unrestricted free agent is a veteran that has four or more seasons. They can sign with anybody they want. The only option the team has is the uh, franchise tag slash transition tag, which the Packers like never do. So I, I know very little about that because I have no experience with that whatsoever. <laughs> just the Packers just never use it. Typically, when you have really high-functioning players. Um, You know, at, at premium positions, edge rusher, offensive tackle, quarterback especially, the Packers just pay them. And again, like a lot of things, I tend to think p- teams that use franchise tags are teams that are—it's it's sort of—it means you messed up somewhere along the line, more than likely. Because if everything's going smooth, you and your quarterback come to an agreement about what needs to be done. You have the money available to make that happen, and you make it happen there has to be some some cap management some relationship management so that you know again you don't have a guy that wants to leave that's number 1 that's one reason why somebody would use a franchise tag somebody says i want out of here and you say well too bad boom tag and then we might trade you anyways but you still have to apply that tag so that we you know retain ownership and then we can trade you and get some kind of compensation for you the other thing is they're saying i'm worth 40 million dollars a year and you're like yeah Maybe, but I don't really want to pay that, and that's pretty—that's kind of too much money for us, which is a problem because it means we were not anticipating this and properly managing our cap because we should have had a cap guy that's like, look, we're going to need about $40 million bucks free in the next coming years because he's going to want that, and we need to be able to pay him that because we want to keep him. If you don't have the money necessary to keep the quarterback that you've known since you drafted him is going to want a massive payday, assuming everything goes right, which is the plan, that's the crazy thing. The whole point in drafting a quarterback is hoping that it works out and that someday we're going to end up paying this guy way too much money to be able to keep him because he's a freak and he's a stud. And you get to that point. You finally get the quarterback. You finally got the guy. And he either tries to force his way out or says, okay, I'm ready to get paid now. And you're like, yeah, kind of don't have enough money to, to pay you. So we're going to put this tag on you. And that's how that goes, which obviously damages the relationship. And then we get one step closer to just get me out of here. So, I, I, you know, again, I don't think the Packers use a tag because I think they're better at what they do than a lot of teams that apply it. And, and there might be some situations that I'm not touching on, but um, I don't know what exactly those would be. Maybe you just don't want them long-term. They're, they're 35 years old and they're free agents and it's they want, like, a seven-year contract. And it's like, look, I'm going to put this tag on you because we just need you for one more year and then we're going to let you go, okay? I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of reasons that don't mean you messed up somewhere and I'm struggling to find them. But anyways, I do need to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Tuesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.